Let me also add uh, my happy Father's Day to every single one of you today uh, that are dads, uh, whether or not you're an active dad or you've raised kids or, or whatever. Uh, I hold you in high esteem. We appreciate you and all that you do. I, for my part, um, uh, the men of Woods Edge, I, I love the men of Woods Edge and their hearts for God, real men all over the place. And so many of the dads here that I know are just wonderful, wonderful dads. And so we want to wish a very strong Happy Father's Day to all the fathers here. Now, at this point, this is what I'd like to do. I want to pray, uh, not just for the dads, I want to pray for all the men. I do this on Mother's Day for the women, but um, I want to pray for the fathers, but I want to pray for every man in the place. So all the men stand up and remain standing. I'm going to pray over you, and uh, you women can join me and uh, uh, pray with me as I pray. So got all the men here. All righty, let me pray for you. Receive this prayer. Lord God, Thank you for every single one of these men. The, whatever is going on in their lives, Lord God, whatever path and, uh, they have been through and trajectory that you have for them in the future, would you please bless them and encourage them and protect them and draw all of us, Lord, as men to be the men of God you want us to be. Put your hand on these dear men. And Lord, I do pray specifically for the fathers among us here this morning that they would feel your smile and your pleasure. And Lord, I know we got so many dads here that uh, are just uh, dedicated and devoted to their families. Bless them, Lord. Help us all, Lord God, to be the, the fathers that uh, you are to us. May, may we have that heart. And then, Lord, I do want to pray for everybody in the room, Lord God, who, who've had challenges and difficult relationships with dads or uh, lost a father and uh, have some special hurts today. Would you please pour out all grace and mercy? Lord, thank you for these wonderful men who are standing. Bless them, I pray. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. All righty, please be seated. Okay, so I'm going to take a couple of liberties today. One is I'm going to show you my family because some of you are new and hadn't seen them around. So family, come on up on the screens. There you go. So uh, right to left, we have three kids. Gail and I have three kids. And uh, on your far right, that's our oldest daughter, Sarah, and her husband, Mike, and their kids around them or near them, Rhett, I'm, I put them in order, Ryan, Rhett, and Evelyn. And they live in Tel Aviv, Israel for the last two years, and I'm glad that Noble Energy is going to make them leave because they love it over there, and they only have one more year there. Our second uh, to uh, uh, Gail's right would be uh, Callie, our second daughter, her husband, Paul. They live in this area, go to this church. They'll be here the next service. That is Wren there. And uh, it wasn't so in this picture, but now today, Callie is eight months pregnant, and next month we'll have a little baby boy. And uh, I, I'm tempted. Yeah, we'll throw out a shout there for her. I'm tempted to tell you his name, but I guess that's Callie's story to tell. She'll tell you, though, if you ask her. And uh, then on the far left, that's our youngest son, John Paul, and his wife, Michelle. They live in Austin. And they have no kids, so that's our family. Thank you for indulging me. Um, so uh, just a couple of preliminary things, because I am going to talk about parenting today. You know, in general, I think I talked, used to talk about parenting more as a young pastor than as an older pastor. I don't know. Maybe I got tired of talking about parenting or something. Uh, but I've neglected a little bit, but not today. Going to get all the time today. But I do want to say a few preliminary things before I talk about parenting. One is this there's only one perfect parent, and that's God, God the Father. And so none of us are perfect. And, uh, you know, there's nothing quite like parenting to bring you vistas of your own inadequacies and, and, and your own failures and shortcomings. 
And um, uh, be aware that Satan might try to get you to live in guilt and uh, regret, and that does nobody any good. And it certainly doesn't delight your Father in heaven because he sent his own son to pay for all of our sins, including parenting sins. So take those regrets, take those failures to the cross, and live in grace. I mean, no perfect parents, only God's the perfect parent. And by the way, um, some of us have had more struggles than other parents, and uh, in terms of, uh, you know, some children are a little bit more difficult, a little more strong-willed than others. We had a couple of strong-willed ones, so we know about that. Um, you know, there are great parents who have kids that, you know, don't turn out too well. And, and there are terrible parents who have kids that turn out great. So let me just remind you that if your kids are doing great, you know, have a little humility about you. <laughs> and if your kids aren't doing so great, you know, uh, don't take too much credit if they do great. Don't take too much blame if they do bad. So, uh, you know, you don't control anything. Uh, they've got their own wills. So I, I do want to just kind of set a perspective before I get started. Now, I am uh, talking about, um, this is how I'm going to frame up today. If I was starting over, what would I do as a parent? So I'm glad I'm not starting over, but if I was, um, what would I do? And, and I have prayerfully come up with seven things that I put at the top of the list. You know, you could put 20 at the list, but that's too big. Uh, but I'm going to get seven. And, and normally, if you're new here at Woods Edge, normally we believe in what, what is called expository preaching. You're just kind of going verse by verse through the Bible. And uh, I'm not going to do that today. Occasionally, once or twice a year, I'll do a topical message, and I'm going to do that today. I'm going to read a passage that's kind of the classic passage on parenting in the Bible. I'll refer to it a couple of times, but uh, it's really a topical message, but it's biblical in shape. But stand with me. I am going to read the classic passage on parenting, and it is found in Deuteronomy 6. And uh, let me encourage you that as I read this message on parenting, note that the first two commands don't directly speak to parenting, but they're about parenting. Here it is. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This is God's word, church. Please be seated. All righty. Growing right out of that first passage is my first principle. And that is this. Your first priority as a parent is to love Jesus. Notice that it was the third command in the passage about what to do with your kids. But before that, the first commandment is that you, you parents, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And secondly, you shall uh, obey these commands. And, and always the acid proof and the acid test of of loving God as we obey His commands. And then the third command is what we should teach our kids. And so growing right out of that, our top priority as parents is that we ourselves would love Jesus because in all the things that we want for our kids, we want them to, to love the Lord and to enjoy His love and to uh, grow up in the understanding of God's great love for them. And if we want our kids to love Jesus, then the best thing that we can do for them is that we would love Jesus ourselves. It is the power of example more is caught 
than taught when it comes to helping our kids love the Lord better. And you see it right here in Deuteronomy 6, 5, love the Lord your God. That's your first duty. Now, that's encouraging, isn't it? Because, you know, there's a lot of things that we, maybe we're not so good at, but we can all love the Lord. <laughs> we can't. And so that's it, parents. That's the first thing. And let's don't skip over that. Now, that love is not just a feeling in your heart, but it needs to be expressed and lived out. And there are a few ways I just want to ex- encourage you to express that love, that ways that your kids will see and pick up. For example, part of loving the Lord is that you meet with Him for prayer and Bible reading, that you, you know, there's a time that, that you uh, meet with the Lord each day to draw close, that you open His Word, you hear His teaching, you, you respond to Him in love and worship. Let your children know that's a priority for you. Maybe from time to time they see you. You're not doing it for, their, for any public uh, saying, but let them, don't hide it, let them know that you love this time, you delight in it, it's important to you, it's a priority for you, and you do it even when you don't delight in it. Talk about what you're learning in the Scripture. Uh, Share with them some truths from the Bible. When you've got a prayer need, don't just ask your friends about that or your pastors about that. Have your kids pray with you. Uh, By the way, their prayers probably count more anyway, uh, according to what Jesus said. Uh, Even when they're two or three years old, get them praying with you. That teaches them that you believe in prayer, and you believe in their prayers, and you believe that God's a prayer hearing God. That's what you do. So get them praying with you. Uh, Let your children know that giving is important to you. The Bible gives special emphasis about uh, if you love the Lord, that you will give off the top and make sure your kids, you know, they're not going to watch you put an automatic draft bank account or do an online giving or something or uh, but, but let them know this is a priority for you, that before we pay anything else, before the government gets their taxes or before we buy anything, off the top, because God is first, we give to Him, and it's a privilege that we do that. Also, let me encourage you that if you only go to church on occasion, say, you know, once a month or so, your kids are going to realize that whatever mom and dad say, that really Jesus is not that much of a priority because that's kind of an expression of it, getting with God's people. Now, I know you're all out of town. In fact, I'm going to be out of town the next six weeks, and um, I I should come back to that. But when you are in town, let me urge you, uh, be there with God's people. All right, I just kind of threw that out there. I forgot that. Let me just uh, mention that. If you're newer at Wood's Edge, well, I'm encouraging you to be regular church. I'm going to miss the next six weeks. So, uh, let me explain that a little bit. I turned 65 two weeks ago, and uh, yeah, well, uh, hey, not a big deal. Uh, and, and I don't feel like God near has me ready to stop pastoring Wood's Edge, but I do feel, find as I've gotten older that I need a little bit more of a break in the summer. And I know some of you are thinking, man, you only work one day a week, Jeff, so why, what's the big deal? But actually, I work a little bit more. And um, so Gail and I, every week, we take six weeks off, and, and this afternoon, I'm going to rush out of here, and we're going to fly to Madrid, where we have some Spanish ministry going on, Ricardo Diaz, Pastors, Pastors, this network across Spain, hubbed in Madrid, and we're going to do some ministry there with those guys. And then after that, our kids in Israel are going to meet us in Barcelona, and we're going to get to spend a week with them. And then Gail and I are going to go off, uh, do a little hiking uh, in Germany, which we love to hike. So that's my next six weeks. I've got a good lineup here for you the next six weeks. And if you're in town, uh, your church needs you. So come on back. All righty, back to the point. 
Number one principle for parenting, your first priority is to love Jesus. You can do that. Secondly, put marriage before kids. Now, first of all, let me say, address the single parents who are not married. When you, you've got a, a job that uh, we don't have who, who are married. And, uh, you know, I, I think that of all the challenges of parenting and to think that uh, you single parents don't have, you know, somebody right there with you, uh, you've got my deepest empathy and, and uh, thank you for what you do. And I know that there are devoted, devoted uh, parents here who are single parents. But for those who are married... I need to give you a caution because children are so precious to us, and they should be so precious to us that uh, the caution is that you make your home a marriage-centered home and not a child-centered home. If you make your children all important, it will not be good for your children. First of all, there's a couple of reasons for that. First of all, it's because if they're the center of your life, that's what the Bible calls idolatry. Uh, God's the center. He's only the center. But even within the human relationships... Those children need a, a marriage-centered family. They need to know and have the security that mom and dad prioritize their own love relationship with each other. And they just sort of grow up in the atmosphere of security because mom and dad are just so, you know, they are just securely in love with one another and they prioritize each other. There's lots of problems with uh, a child-centered home and it's way too common today. You know, uh, previous generations sort of neglected kids. Well, the pendulum began swinging about the late 60s and early 70s and it really in many circles it swung, t swung too far and uh, so that children became the main thing. You know, if your child is the center of your universe, they pick that up. And they feel way too much pressure that mom and dad's happiness depends on how I do. And that's not good. They don't need that pressure. They need an important place in the family orbit, but they're not the sun that everything orbits around. And we don't see that in a biblical framework. So let me encourage you parents who are devoted to your kids, uh, just keep things in perspective that, that Jesus is first, that if you're married, your spouse is second, and your children are third. They're important. But they're not all important. You know, it happens so often that if the husband is workaholic and he neglects his marriage and his kids and the wife is kind of left with all this loneliness and maybe pours all of her emotional energy into her kids and they can, she can smother her kids. And, and, and we need to be wary of smothering and hovering and overprotecting and, and unwillingness to let go. From the time your child is born, do you know that part of your job is to raise that child to, to learn to become independent from you so that when they are about 18 years old, they can leave your orbit. And, uh, and they're, you know, they're ready to go. They're not emotionally crippled and over-dependent upon you. That means when it's the proper time, put them in the nursery. That means that uh, they can go to camp. That means uh, you know, they can spend the night with a friend that uh, you know, teach them that they can survive by not being... A tethered to you. Um, be careful of, of rescuing your children. <laughs> Let them experience consequences. Don't, all, don't be a parent that always rescuing your children. That, that is a smothering and overprotecting. All righty, that's it, the second principle. And it's a relevant one because children are precious to us, and they should be very important to us. But make your, your, your home marriage-centered, not child-centered. Put marriage before kids. Thirdly, to give somewhat of the balance for that one, thirdly, love your children fervently. Now, 
I'm not suggesting by the first two that you love your children less. You just love your, your Lord far more. And if you're married, you love your spouse and express that more. Now, we need to love our children in a way that they feel loved. Now, every parent here loves their kids, but not every child here feels loved by their parents because sometimes that love is kept in our hearts and we don't adequately express it to them in ways they feel loved. That means that we as parents need to be students of our kids and know what kind of love they need from us. Uh, not so much just, just the love that's comfortable for, for us to love, but, but what do they particularly need? What does that child particularly need? And we need to be attentive in, uh, to that. So probably uh, the, the superb book in this field is by Ross Campbell called How to Really Love Your Child. Now, I think we started the day with some copies in the uh, cafe out there, but I bet they're gone. They might not be. If you order on Amazon, he's got a sequel to it that is not good. I mean, it's just, it's not bad. It's just not good. It's called How to Really Love Your Teenager. Don't get that one. It's really a D. But How to Really Love Your Child, that's an A. Get that one. Okay. How are you going to help your children feel loved? Well, just let me remind you of some things you know. I mean, when you, when you get down their level and you're really getting good eye contact and listening while they talk, and, and they really feel heard by mom and dad. And, you know, life's so busy, it's hard, and they talk incessantly. But, you know, um, the power of listening, mm, hard to overestimate that one. So let's just, let's just remind her that one. You know, a, a proper, healthy touching. You know, I, I had uh, uh, Father's Day, because I'm going today, my second daughter, who's here is Callie, she took me out and her family, she and Paul, to a Father's Day luncheon, and my choice was Whataburger. Yes, I did get a big milkshake and, and Whataburger. And, and, you know, she talked a little bit about, she's a, an encourager about, you know, Jeff, Dad, Pops, you always showed me, you know, good affection. You still do. And, and after she gave me a little deal, we reached across and kissed her. And uh, she's appreciated the affection, and, and kids need the affection. And, and it's easier for us to give that affection when they're preschoolers, you know, when they're little. Don't stop. Don't stop, guys. Uh, when your daughters grow up and become teenagers, and, and they, even your, your sons, when they grow up, you know, they'll resist that a little bit, but they need it. And, uh, you know, that, uh, healthy affection, that's a, that's a positive. Uh, time alone. Uh, I don't know if Bill Wheeler's in the house this morning, but Bill, Bill is a longtime executive pastor here, and Bill's a great father. And when his kids were young, uh, he, he had a very busy corporate job. And he has five kids, and they have five kids, but every Saturday he'd take one of them out for breakfast, and they get time alone. And so even if you've got a, a lot of kids, you know, you can uh, uh, make sure that they're getting some time alone. You know, another thing about uh, expressing love is, is to have some, some firm discipline, because if a child never feels disciplined, they know something's not right. They feel loved by a parent who brings some discipline to the table. I think I'm going to come back to that one a little bit later. So we'll talk about that. Okay, third one. Love your children fervently. Fervently. Four, pray for them. You know, when you think about another human being and you think about what you can do for them, and that's important. We need to love and serve people. But when it comes to what God can do for them, you know, that raises the bar way high. So there's nothing more powerful you can do for anybody than to pray that God would come and intervene in their lives. And certainly that is true of parenting. Because 
You know, we're just inadequate, and we need God's help and favor and blessing. So let me urge you to prioritize, as part of your parenting, just prayer. Um, you know, one practice that Gail and I have had, well, we've certainly prayed for our, our kids all their lives before they were born. You know, now we're more in the grandparenting stage, which, by the way, is a lot better stage than the parenting stage. Um, the, so we've got five grandkids. Uh, you know, we've got the three in Israel, and we've got three-year-old here, and we've got one on the way. And, you know, my practice, for as long as I remember, is to pray for kids. And now I, I pray not only for our kids, but for our grandkids. And, and, and these are the three things that I really pray for, and I pray for them every day. I pray for, and I name them by name, Ryan, Red, Evelyn, uh, Wren, and the unnamed one. And uh, <laughs> no, I call him by name. And, and I pray for them, first of all, they love Jesus. That's most important. I pray for them they love the Lord with all their hearts. Secondly, I pray for them a great Christian marriage. Even this one that's not born yet, he's already getting prayed for every day of his life, for a great Christian marriage. And it could be that God calls some of them to singleness, and if so, great. But if they get married, besides their relationship with God, nothing is going to affect their lives and happiness as much as marriage. And so you bet I prioritize that one. I'm praying for a great Christian marriage. And thirdly, I pray for God's hand of favor, blessing, protection. Uh, those are the main things I pray for, and I prayed for decades for other ones. And I'm praying for our young ones. You know, not only is it vital to pray, uh, well, think of it this way. Let me go back and think of it this way. You know, can you imagine, uh, I, I constantly reading about World War II and London and stuff like that. And if your kids, you're raising kids in London in 1941 or two, you know, there were bombs going off. And a lot of the kids were taken out of London. A lot of them were staying there. But, you know, it was warfare. You know, it was an intense environment. You know, we can never forget that we live in warfare. We don't have... Uh, bombs dropping on our cities, but we have a spiritual warfare raging throughout the universe that is real and it is deadly. And do our kids need our prayers? So vital, so vital. And not only do we, do we need to pray for our kids, but over our kids, that is with our kids. And they need to hear us praying over them. You know, that, that sort of raises an area of challenge for me that I did not do so well. Let me just tell you about it because some of you might struggle with this. Uh, when I was uh, an active parent, uh, I'm an extreme morning person, and nobody else in my family w was naturally a morning person. And so it didn't take long for those kids to grow up that uh, I was the first one to sleep. And, uh, and I missed out on praying over them in the tender moments of bedtime. And if I had to do it over again, I'd do something different there. I'm not quite sure what I've done, but, but I'd have done something different. And so they not only need us, I mean, I prayed over my kids, but I missed some opportunities. So parents, let me remind you, the priority of prayer, both for your kids and over your kids. Okay, number five, be the boss. Make sure that your child has no doubt who's in charge and that it is not them. There will be battles of the will with your child, and some of you have some strong-willed children. Some of them are a little bit easier than others, but we had a couple of strong-willed ones. And um, Now, I don't mean that, that you need to make everything a battle, but you choose your battles. But when you choose that battle, win it. When you choose the battle, win the battle. When they are two, 
when they are seven, when they are 12, and when they are 16. If you, if you choose a battle, win the battle. It's a lot easier to win the battle when they're 16 if you won the battle when, you're, when they were two. So start young. Don't make everything a battle, but win the battle. Now, when I say be the boss, what, what I'm talking about is your child needs boundaries. Your child needs walls. Your child needs the security of walls, and, and, and they need authority, and, and they need consequences. You know, when your kids are growing up, they don't so much need a pal from you, but they need a parent from you. And if you're more a parent than a pal, then later on you can be friends when they grow up. Now, to be clear, some of you came from some abusive backgrounds, and um, to be the boss does not mean to be the bully or to be a Marine drill sergeant. It does not mean shouting and angry responses. It certainly does not mean striking a child ever in anger. It does mean that when your child shows disrespect or disobedience that uh, you respond calmly, gently, but firmly, that, that there is some firmness there. It's important that we be clear about our expectations of our kids, the consequences of dis- disobedience. Kids can't read our minds. But let there be loving but firm authority because every child needs it. Now, some parents do great on the love side. Some parents do great on the authority side. But the two crucial ingredients that every child needs from their parents, love and authority. Loving but firm discipline. Fifth principle, be the boss. Okay, number six. Make sure that you are following Scripture, not culture. Now, this is a a relevant issue. I mean, we're surrounded by media, by social media, by televisions, and uh, just we're so connected and plugged in. And our culture outside of Christ is really very different values and perspectives than we are in Christ. We can, we can never forget that I'm not primarily a citizen of the U.S., but I'm a citizen of heaven. You know, I, I belong to God in heaven, and I'm redeemed, and I have the, the living Christ in me, and so I'm a different sort of a creature. Now, a lot of things are the same. You know, I still eat and uh, put clothes on and drive cars and things like that, but, but fundamentally, I belong to heaven. And so, Certainly my values when it comes to parenting are going to be different. I mean, just think about the world that we live in. Here the Spring Woodlands area and all the suburbs around here that you live in. What what is important to the typical uh, non-Christian parent uh, when it comes to parenting? Well, believe me, it's success at grades and school and get in the right college and the best college. And if they're an athlete, you know, have academic, I mean, have sports success. And if they do the band or what are cheerleading or some other activity, they do great in that. You know, that they just shine, you know, just, they just do great. And, and that one day they go to a good school and, and have a good job and, and, and make plenty of money and just as our success. That, those are the things that are important. Can I say to you this morning, as your pastor, that all of those things I mentioned, none of them are bad, but they are all trivial. You hear me? Trivial. And some of you have been focusing on them, and you're sending the wrong message to your kids. You know what's, what's important? That they grow up loving Jesus. That they grow up recognizing, you know, it's not that me get all this security around me, but I'm on an adventure of faith, and I'm learning to trust my God. 
because life is going to be hard, and I'm going to start in the basics with, with, with trusting my God as a young person and praying and, and, and to grow up learning the truths in the Bible. And those truths in the Bible are considerably different than the, uh, many of the principles and values of this world. And that they grow up uh, uh, recognizing that, you know, the most important thing is not how thin I am growing up and how, how you know, am I overweight or not or the clothes I've got on or the, uh, uh, how I look or how good an athlete I am, but, but, but that I am so loved by the God of the universe. It's just ridiculous that I'm so loved and, and uh, that I'm forgiven completely by Jesus Christ and um, that, that they grow up learning to uh, serve others not all about me, you know, get them out of the bubble of this area into uh, some tougher areas to, to serve people and to love people. And, and, and let them grow up learning to take responsibility for their actions. Don't always be rescuing them. Look, church, uh, we need the reminder because we live in this world. <laughs> we swim in the ocean of this culture that... God has given your kids something bigger than the American dream. American dream is fine for the non-Christians. Uh, we will we'll pursue God's dream. We move from the trivial to the important. Things of God. Um, is it here? Yeah, here. I also want to point out, you know, the, a bottom line question for so many parents with their kids especially as they move towards college and everything growing up. The bottom line question is this. You know, um, you need to get a job that you make some money, good money. And the more the better. Uh, that's not the question for our kids. Here's the question for our kids. What's God called you to do? What's God made you to do? What's he put you on this planet to do? Whether or not it makes a lot of money. That's the question for our kids. All righty, I know I'm reminding you of things you know. Number seven. And lastly, enjoy your kids. You know, I didn't do this one so well either. I, partly I was struggling with mental disease so much as a young man, and, and partly because I was so serious. If you, some of you think I'm serious now. You have no idea how serious I used to be. But fortunately, Gail's lighthearted and fun and put whoopee cushions underneath uh, elders and things like that. So she brought some of the lightness. But if I could do it over again, I, I would lighten up and chill out a little bit and and I would try to enjoy every stage of it. You know, parenting is hard, as I talked about earlier. It's tough. Some of you, you've got two or three preschoolers, and I think you're in the busiest time of your life. You're in the crunch years of life. I mean, mom is half exhausted all the time, and, you know, just those kids are, you know, can be so demanding, and, and you're in the crunch years of life. And that's not even as bad as the teenage years sometimes, depending on the situation. Parenting is tough. I mean, you're not in control. And um, a mistake that we can make is not to enjoy our kids. And so let me remind you, if I was doing it over again, I would enjoy my kids a lot more. And I am enjoying grandparenting more than parenting. But if I do it over again, I would try to enjoy every stage. And so my seventh and final principle, if I start over, enjoy your kids. So that's it, church, my seven principles. Um, your first parenting priority is to love Jesus. Put marriage before kids. Love your children fervently, pray for them, be the boss, make sure that you're following scripture, not culture, and enjoy your kids. Depend upon God because he alone can give you the grace you need. Would you stand with me, please? 
And this is what I want to do. I want to pray for every child represented in the room. Whether or not they're in the room, I want to pray for every child represented in the room, and I want to pray for every parent in the room. Receive this. Lord God, we together bring every child, every grandchild represented by this room. Would you please put your hand of favor upon them? Lord, may they grow up immersed in the atmosphere of your love and grace and mercy. And may they enjoy you so much. May they be people who love you and who love their neighbor. Bless them. Protect them. Be with them. May all these kids come to Christ as their Savior. Bless them, we pray. And then, Lord God, I also want to pray for every parent in the room, that you would be with them, Lord God. Lord, some of the parents are in tough situations right now, and I know what it's like to have just difficult, difficult seasons. And be with those parents. Encourage their hearts. Guide them, Lord. Give them endurance. But every single parent, Lord God, would you put your hand of favor and blessing upon them. Lord, we appreciate you so much that you hear our prayers. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.